Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. If you're here with us uh, for the first time, if you're visiting, my name is Ben James. I am the uh, lead pastor here. We're glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Uh, I'd like to go ahead and ask you to turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and we're going to be talking about something better this morning. Anybody like the sounds of that? Like something better. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to something better. Um, as you're turning, a couple things that I think is, is true for all of us. I think that we can look back on different eras, different times in history, and we kind of get lost in romanticizing those times. Like for me, it's usually into uh, the Middle Ages, uh, you know, kind of this medieval time, you know, that's the books I like to read, uh, you know, leisurely. That's the shows that I enjoy uh, watching. I really hope that, uh, like, Tolkien's Middle Earth with hobbits and hobbiton and hobbit holes, I really hope that exists somewhere uh, because that's, I, I would be like a six-foot-one hobbit, um, which just, anyhow... But we romanticize these times. Like, and I look back at these medieval times, and I'm like, man, that would be so amazing to live back then. I like this running water thing I got going on here. <laughs> really, really enjoy the climate control stuff. You know, because like walking from my car into the house during this last heat wave that we had where it was like, I don't know, melt your face kind of temperature outside. You know, I get inside and I'm just like, ah, oh, air conditioning. Yeah. I go to the grocery store, I can buy food. It's great. It's wonderful. Let's not even go with the indoor plumbing thing. All right. So we, I think we have a tendency, once removed from something or having never really been there at all and looking back, we can kind of romanticize some things and sometimes to be a little bit easier maybe a little bit more simple uh, than what they actually were. I think it's the case also with Scripture that we can look back upon Scripture, the New Testament in particular, and somehow remove the trouble, somehow remove the suffering, the persecution, the challenges, and the pain that the early church went through. Because the majority of the New Testament, I mean, save a couple writings, sure, primarily are written as a source of instruction, encouragement, and exhortation to a group, small group, minority group of people who were facing persecution, who were suffering, 
who were really having a difficult time because of their faith. In the book of Hebrews, this letter is no different. And sometimes it's easy for us to detach that reality that these people who are receiving these letters, these instructions, these words of comfort, were truly living, troubled, stress-filled, anxiety-filled, worry-filled lives. Someone who is a frequent listener of our sermons, our messages, that is actually in a different country, uh, has communicated with me a couple times, and in conversations have told me, it's like, you know, I, I listen frequently, and one of the reasons that I enjoy listening is because you talk a lot about suffering. I'm like, what? And then I got to thinking, I'm like, that's right, I do. And I hope that that's accurate because I feel like we read a book that addresses suffering in almost every line that you have because Jesus said that in this life there will be troubles. We will face troubles. We will have times that we suffer. And if we're truly gleaning from God's Word in the context of it, then it addresses this over and over and over and over again, this fact of we face troubles each and every day. Now, there are times that it's less and times that it's more. Sometimes our sufferings are greater. Sometimes our sufferings are less. Sometimes we face things to a greater degree, and sometimes they're kind of below the surface. But I think that I'm looking at a group of people as I look out, whether I know your situations or whether I don't. I think that I'm looking upon a group of people that each and every day we face something. We have a struggle. We have a trial. Now, the sufferings that we would endure are probably you know, vastly different from what we read in Scripture. But it still doesn't take away from the fact that we face things each and every day. And I had a conversation with someone a little bit earlier this week, and I told him, I, I reiterated, I say this a lot, because it's true all of the time. I do not understand how someone can navigate this life without the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's not an exclusive comment. That's not, you know, that's not something puffing out my chest. I just, as I navigate my life, which is good, like, I have a blessed, incredible life. But as I navigate it, I truly don't understand how I would begin to face the things that I face without having hope in Jesus Christ. And I want us to look today, and we're going to see this in our passage, this title, this message, Something Better. And we're going to acknowledge some difficult things today. We're going to talk about some difficult things. We're going to read about some scriptures about people going through some difficult things. But my hope is in Jesus Christ and that he has something better for me. And whether I see it in this life or not, I know that someday I will step into the promise of something better. Amen? So let's read... Uh, we left off last week at verse 7. Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit for the sake of time. I'm going to go to verse 39. We're going to read 39 and 40 from Hebrews chapter 11, and then we'll kind of go back and hit some things as we go. Verse 39 
says, and all these, talking about the people who made, who uh, the writer was talking about from the Old Testament in, you know, the rest of this chapter, all these, though commended through their faith, did not, everybody say did not, did not receive what was promised. Ouch, right? Like, they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So let's talk about this, something better, but let's talk about it through the lens of there are things and promises of God that unfortunately you and I may not experience in this life. Now, we're going to build on this. This is a building block message, again, that's going to take us into chapter 12 next week. And we're, we're right here in the middle, right? The, uh, th- this, this imperative section really started with chapter 10, this time of, like, let us. There's a call to action here. And we have this call to action that begins really in earnest in chapter 10. It continues in chapter 12, and we'll see that kind of build upon itself. But then the writer takes an entire section of their writing and talks about great men and women of faith. So there's an element of us doing something, and sandwiched right in the middle is our faith. Folks, let me just tell you this. Faith in Jesus Christ can never be static. There's always motion in our faith, or there should be. Again, it's that life ring example that I used last week. The life ring, I can see it, and I know that it's purpose. I know that it can help me. I know that it can rescue me. But it's not going to do anything up there. It can land right beside of me, and I can truly believe that, yes, that not only can rescue me, but it was sent to me to rescue me. But it's not going to rescue me from drowning if it stays beside of me. It's when I take that life ring and I put it into practice in my life, when I put that faith on, that's when it begins to rescue. Now see, James, you know, James chapter 2, we have this faith without works is dead and we kind of get into this weird tension and like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing because works doesn't necessarily lead to faith, but I do want to submit to you that your faith, true faith, should always lead you into action, lead you into works. Like, you know, James chapter 2 goes on to tell us that, you know, it's like, if you see somebody that's cold, you give them clothes, right? If you see someone that's hungry, you should give them food, right? I mean, because, I mean, that's entry-level works, shouldn't it be? Like, being a decent human being, like not being a jerk, Basically, if you see some dude that's out there that it's the middle of winter, he doesn't have clothes, he's cold, he's hungry, he doesn't have food, you're not going to walk away from him going, hey, stay warm and well-fed, brother. See you later. No, that's a jerk. That's being a jerk. But let's talk about these works here that we can see in our lives just really briefly because I think that so often we get wrapped up in our faith being in action through our works of what we do with our hands. What if instead of externally, the primary work of faith should be first internally? 
Like seeing these things in our heart that don't line up with God, seeing these areas that are being exposed, this sin in our hearts that's being pulled out of us and revealed to us that this deceitful heart that's deceitful and wicked above all things. I believe that the initial works of faith in our life is to deal with these things. And one of the things that I struggle with the most is my pride. And that compromises my faith. Because if we look back, I, I want to talk to us really quickly about the, both the triumphs and the tragedies of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm just going to just read this really quickly. It's verses 33 through 38. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, that's some pretty amazing triumphs. And the writer's saying, these men and women of the Old Testament that I am telling you about, that I've just spent a greater part of a chapter writing to you about, through their faith, they were able to triumph by all of these things. And like, if, if it's me, I'm going, yes, yes, the promises of God are yes and amen right now because I want all of these on my life. God, you say yes, I'll say amen, and then I'll tiptoe through the tulips till I get to heaven. Life will be good. Unfortunately, I think all of us in here could say amen to the fact that it doesn't always work out that way right? Right in the middle of verse 35, right after saying the resurrection from the dead. It takes a little bit of a turn. Okay, let's read it here. It takes a little bit of a turn. Some were tortured. <laughs> Anybody a, a, a fan of the movie Finding Nemo? Oh, come on. I mean, adults in here, it's fine. You like Nemo. It's okay. It's like, you know, whenever they've got this good feeling, good feeling, Martin's like, good feeling, good feeling, then all of a sudden the creature lights up and he goes, eh, good feeling, gone. You know, it's like, this is what right now. Like all of these promises of these triumphs, like it's a great feeling. Then all of a sudden, and um, some of them were tortured. <laughs> Refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Let that one settle in for a minute. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. These are people that were faithful. And they were experiencing these things. They lived through these things. They dealt with these things. And in the midst of everything, they remained faithful to God. Let this passage of Scripture, let this word today encourage your heart that no matter what you're going through, God is able to sustain you. God will provide for you. 
It may not look like he is. It may not feel like he is. I can't imagine that that first couple instances of pain of being sawn in two, that hallelujah was the first words. I mean, it might have been. I just can't imagine that being mine. But we see this, and then the verses that we read beforehand, it was like, and all these things, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And, and I could go down the list here, but let's, let's look at Abraham. He was promised an entire nation died in a tent. You see, we look at our present situation sometimes. And our faith is shaken. Right? When, when things happen. Because we can be, you know, we can face you know, ridicule. We can face mockery. We, we go through times to where we experience loss and grief and sorrow. There's times in our lives when our hearts are broken. There's times in our lives where we're directly affected by something, maybe a physical illness, maybe something like, maybe it's someone that we love, someone that we're close to. We go through things on a regular basis that shake us to our core sometimes and shake our faith. But we hang on to this something better. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Now, I, I ran across a quote a couple weeks ago. I still not have been able to track down other than an elderly saint in a church one time told her pastor this, and I, I think I've got it up here on the screen. It's just a standalone. She said this, said, I have lived so long that at this point in my life, I cannot tell the difference in a trial and a blessing. I'm not there yet. But think about that for just a moment. I have lived so long that at this point in my life, I cannot tell the difference in a trial and a blessing. That's not a statement of pride or arrogance. That's a statement of dependence upon Jesus Christ, of someone who has lived a life that's had ups and downs, peaks and valleys. It's felt like a roller coaster of I'm high one moment, I'm crashing down the next because of things that I'm facing and saying that I've seen God be so faithful, both in the good times and the bad. I've seen what Jesus was talking about, that the sun shines on the righteous and the wicked. It rains on the just and the unjust. I have seen these things in my life and I have seen God be faithful and bless me through every one of them so whether it's a trial or something bad I can't tell the difference because I know that God's working it for my good do you always have that perspective when you're beginning to walk through something I don't I'm trying to get better really trying to get better but I don't but oh, the faithfulness of God. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. 
I am pressed, but not crushed. I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. I'm struck down, but not destroyed. I am blessed far beyond any curse that this world could put upon me. I am blessed in Jesus Christ. I believe that this is a message that should hit home with each and every one of us because we all feel this weight at times in our life, don't we? And there's three musts, okay? I'm going to go back. I told you a couple weeks ago that I would not do an expository look at each person in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm staying true to my word, but we're going to look at the life of Moses just a little bit here. Okay? Moses, and this is coming out of Hebrews. We're not even going to go back into the book of Exodus here or the Old Testament. We're going to stay in Hebrews, and we're going to see three musts that if we're enduring, being faithful, no matter what if we're facing triumphs or we're facing tragedies, I believe that there's three things that we learn from this account that we see in Moses' life right here. And the first one starts in verse 24, to not go with the flow. Do not go with the flow of this world, with the culture that you're surrounded by. We are called in the very nature of being in Christ to swim upstream against the current, to be counter cultural and we see this in the life of Moses verse 24 it says by faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward And that reward is God himself. You see, Moses, he could have had it so much easier if he would have stayed in Egypt from the standpoint of living in this world. He would have faced less ridicule. He would have faced less persecution. He wouldn't have had to wander a wilderness for 40 years with stiff-necked, stubborn people. He could have just stayed in Egypt with stiff-necked, stubborn people, right? But he could have lived a life of greater comfort but he refused to go with the flow he said i'm going to be out here in the middle of the will of god because the promises that i'm looking towards what i have in god almighty is a greater treasure is greater riches than anything that i could have in this world for what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose your soul and we just see this. And, you know, Ephesians 4.14 talks about this like, don't be like children being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But establish yourself. Don't go with what's easy. Don't go with what the societal pressures in a sin-filled world is telling you you should believe, you shouldn't believe, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Find what God says. It's almost like a broken record each week up here with me on Sunday, and and many of you would say amen to that. But here, I'm not going to give you the opportunity to don't. Don't do it. Uh, (laughs) It's like This is why it's so important for us to be in His Word. Find out what God says. What is His truth? What is He saying? What has the Holy Spirit inspired men throughout the ages to reveal of God's nature? 
Stay in the Word because that will lead you into the truth of God and His opinion on anything that you want an opinion on. The second one, leave the familiar. Leave the familiar. Uh, Verse 27, let's look at this here. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I'm, I'm a creature of comfort. Do you all like being comfortable? I, I, like, I like being comfortable. I like the familiar. I like knowing what step Z is going to be before I take step A sometimes. Right? I like a plan. I like when things are laid out before me. Faith, true faith in God and steps of action behind our faith is very rarely explained to us beforehand. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay, two people. Good. Good. God will call us to leave our comfort. He will call us to leave what's familiar to us. Moses had spent his entire life in the the palace, considered royalty, child of Pharaoh. And he was willing to leave the familiar, to leave the comfort. Now, some of you may say, he, he was fleeing because, yeah, he was. But guess what? He would have lived a far more comfortable and familiar life had he stayed in Egypt than had he done what he did, which was lead a nation out of captivity and bondage. Leave the familiar. Lastly, swallow our pride. Verse 28, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Imagine, if you will, you're a resident of Egypt back in the time of Moses. Back in the time when the Passover was getting ready to take place. You've just had dinner. The sun is set. You're wanting to go outside, stretch your legs a little bit. You walk outside, and you see your neighbor across the way. What are they doing? They've got a bucket of blood. Okay, it's Egypt. We're into some pretty weird stuff here. I had a bucket of blood. That's fine. What's your neighbor doing with it? He's spreading it across the doorpost. Now think of being Moses, the one who's going, all right, all right, here's what we're going to do. Well, y'all stay with me, okay? Stay with me. You want to sacrifice. And then you're going to spread the blood of the sacrifice over your doorposts. So that when the angel of death, the destroyer, comes through, he'll know to pass by. He'll pass over your place. And if there's not blood applied to your door, then the firstborn of everything that you have is going to die. I was like, I'm going to need an extra bucket of blood, please. You see, sometimes, sometimes, faith involves risk. And most often, faith is going to require you to step out in obedience to something that you don't fully understand. 
Amen? Something that you don't fully understand. And like I said, here we are in the midst of this story of the writer of Hebrews who's saying, you've got to let us draw near to God. Let us come boldly before Him. Let us not forsake the gathering together. Let us, and all of a sudden, chapter 10's building into this call to action. Chapter 12 continues with this, which we'll see over the next couple weeks, this call to action of doing something. But right in the middle of it, right at the core of it, the writer is giving us this message. It's about faith. And regardless of whether things are happening in your life that you think should be, what you feel like you have been promised, you should be receiving, regardless, it's about faith. Because there'll be times in our faith that we experience triumph. And I praise God for that. Each and every time I have a triumph, I praise God for that. But sometimes as a result of us being faithful, we'll experience tragedy. And that's when I have difficulty praising God. Just being honest with you. It's during those tragic moments, those times of loss, those times of grief, of suffering, of my heart being broken, things falling down around me, nothing adding up. It's in those moments that God's also saying, it's because you're faithful. But there's something better. Whether you're right now in this place and you're at the highest of highs in your life or you're at the lowest of lows, it does not matter. There is something better that He has promised us. And that's an eternity in heaven worshiping Him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. For the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. When I ask the praise team if they would to come back up and join me this morning. One of, the, um, one, of, one of my favorite quotes, President Roosevelt, is one that I, I didn't have up here and I butcher it every time, but you will get kind of the gist of it as I kind of paraphrase what he said. He said, I must study war and famine so that my sons may study politics and literature. They must study politics and literature so that their sons and daughters may study the arts, music, poetry. And you see there's something there about this being willing to pay a price. To stand faithful in the midst of something that we wouldn't necessarily choose to go through in order that those that are following us might not have to face the same things. And this is where we get that, that they were faithful in what they had, not experiencing the promise because there was something better in store for us. So what is it this morning? That we're facing are you here and rejoicing in one of the highest mountaintop peak moments that you've ever experienced or are you down in one of the lowest deepest darkest valleys that you can remember 
Whether you find yourself at either place or in between, one thing remains the same. Our need for Jesus is the same. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. I need Jesus.